Welcome to the ITAD Talk Podcast with your host, Jeff Bittner. So our guest this, uh, this afternoon is Jim Harris. Uh, he's a data center industry polymath with over two decades of experience as a leader serving software, computing, and communication technology. As a partner in Socorro, he advises data center industry decision makers as an extension of their teams to optimize the selection, provisioning, and management of all data center, infrastructure, and communication technologies. He has worked as a leader in such household names as Digital Realty, IT Renew, and Cisco, and is fluent in Russian, which he employed as an interrogator for the U.S. Army. So I'd like to welcome you to our show this morning, this afternoon. Jim? Thank you. Okay. My privilege. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, about your background? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty well. I, <laughs> you know, your life kind of goes by, and then you look back, and you try to figure it out. And uh, it's, it's uh, always more complex on the inside. But um, I sort of found myself in a place that you're describing uh, maybe two years ago uh, when I just started coming to this middle of my lifespan and, and deciding where my career was going was, was coming from and going. And I found myself in the middle of um, different convergences of technologies, you know, obviously from the beginning of my career, as many of us have in this era, but, but specifically in the data center space, uh, my timing at DigiReality was, for me, really unique. I mean, when I reflect on it, uh, what was happening within the entire internet world and, uh, and, and including digital as one of those forerunners. Um, and just the personalities involved and the different uh, dynamics uh, was just, you know, I, it's too complex to even write a story about. But, mm. but looking back now, I, I, you know, so when your podcast came up, it was just, there really wasn't a question for me whether or not to do it because I sort of committed myself to this space in, in, in whichever way it wanted, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, sort of, a, a, and, and including in that is sort of this uh circular life cycle thing with technology. So, so it was interesting to see your podcast. So what are some of the most important lessons from your time at, at Digital re, uh, re, Realty? Well, <clears throat> um, each of these uh, components that, that work together to produce um, compute and storage essentially is what everything is supporting. Um, each of those components are in many ways their own different world. And DigiReality being the landlord of, you know, along with others uh, of the sort of, of the internet, right? They're providing the space and the power for that compute and storage to take place. Um, and so I guess the first thing I realized is that and there's worlds within worlds here, just supporting something as simple as uh, accessing phones on your phone. Uh, pictures on your phone. Phones on your phone. Pictures on your phone on your phone. So uh, that every time you make another mirror, you know, you require another image on the data center, which requires another compute storage connection, which, you know, along with transit, along with space and power, I mean, we're burning energy, right? Mm. So we can access data. But ever since 2000, that's been more to access data on, on, 
on advertising and social infrastructure probably than it was previously, right? So um, it just is sort of a growing thing. Uh, so if you summed it all up, I, I there's these infrastructure chiefs out there that serve the nodes, the nodes that do all the compute and storage, and they're the ones that have to keep all the lights on and connected. And um, I help them serve those nodes. They are the they are sort of the uh, steam engine of the information revolution, wow. or age, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, um, what kind of picture of the data center industry did channel sales there give you? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> a complex one. I I traditionally came from more of a var channel world, which was. Uh, HP, Cisco, um, um, primarily built, you know, and, uh, and and out from there, VMware. You could stack them all on from everybody else, mm -hmm. and, uh, and 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 of course Oracle and all the others. I mean, you start getting into the different flavors of MSPs and VARs as that evolved over the last few decades. But but then you get into digital reality. And and then you have this convergence of real estate, right? And and that's a different world, uh, which involves typically a CFO decision making at the corporation, not a technical decision maker on it often. Uh, and 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 then the other piece of that is this crazy connectivity thing, which is the deregulation of America's telco infrastructure. And there's a crazy channel over there, crazy cool channel, but crazy, right? And so um, unregulated, unruly, <laughs> and that's the that's the master agency channels. Um, and you know they're 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 sharp as tack, tax and focus on one and one thing only, and that's you know very good client management, most of them if they're good. So, um, but they make money on the, on connecting everything. And these are the guys that work for the old telco providers that have said, hey, why carry one logo when I can carry all of them? So they can sell, sell every flavor of broadband to, to everybody. So these three channels, in many ways, matured independently and then started colliding as things became more cloud-focused. Uh, real estate, telco, VAR, and then everything in between. And I'm sure the channel gods could, you know, pontificate about all the different diversity of channel channels that there are. But um, at the end of the day, uh, that's what I saw at digital. I saw top to the bottom of the stack. Wow. So th this question might go along a little, little bit with that, and I'm not sure if you've kind of answered some of that, but what are some notable things about the data center industry that you might be exposed to from the real estate conglomerate side that your average ITAD companies probably wouldn't see? Well, the funny thing is, is like ICAD's not even even in the realm yet. Like they don't even exist because there's no garbage being taken out yet, right? So real estate's built, but until you real servers in, it's all kosher. And then three to five years, all of a sudden, you got to do something with all that junk you just stuffed, just stuffed in there. And the other problem is, you got to figure out what to do with all the data you stuffed in on all that junk. <laughs> right. right. And the That's other correct. problem is. Who put it in there? Your predecessor. The other problem is, what's in there? Well, I have an asset list from five years ago. 
Mm. Yeah, that's not good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then plus all the upgraded uh, components that are in the servers, right? Yeah, so real good infrastructure chiefs are scratching their heads going, this feels like a liability. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny too is like we've done some takeouts for leasing companies. And uh, so then when we get the list and then we go in there and we take the material out, we find that uh, sometimes the parts have been poached or they've uh, put lower end parts in and taken some of the higher end stuff out. They, they seem to kind of kind of know where some of the money is, right? I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced that. But but um, uh, when you're leaving an environment, you definitely will pull what you need for your other environments. Um, so there's all kinds of uh, things that happen. But, I mean, as far as the lease goes, yeah, I, I mean, usually I would think they'd have a pretty tight, tight asset control and things. And then if the client's not there, they're probably charging them for it. But um, everything I've done was was I didn't touch it unless it was needing some serious uh, advisory work to decide is this going to be melded down and set, send up to Canada or are we going to try to do some uh, uh, demanufacturing and value recovery on these assets? And if so, what vendor can do this without you know causing more harm to us than good? So, so another question: um, How did your knowledge and skills changed as you worked at IT Re, um, IT Renew? Well, the interesting thing is, I never got into the back end of the life cycle my whole career until Ideen contacted me at when I was at Digital and just started the dialogue, and it was all in cool interest industry discussion. Um, I was at an interesting place at Digital where I was I was really kind of brought in to to, to have a channel um, presence and expertise during that time where Digital was trying to figure out whether to uh, build or buy uh, to expand into Colo or or possibly I was suspecting maybe even you know a merger or something with Equinix I didn't know but I was sort of the resident channel chief to just keep all the balls in the air with as little budget as possible. And uh, it was a good opportunity because I, I could sort of paint up and down the lines with the Alliance team. And and if there was someone that could generate an opportunity or vice versa, you know, it was all fair game because at the end of the day, we were just looking, you know, Channel All is about expanding expanding your footprint, right, in a more creative way and strategic way. So, um Agamari, getting to know them and back in the life cycle was intriguing, to, or the life cycle was intriguing. Intriguing. I I didn't know. I, I knew what was coming because of the of what's been built megawatt wise across the United States, but I didn't know how that would actually affect that back into the life cycle. It's a bit of a mystery area, you know. And um, I think the hyperscalers are the first groups to give us really public view into it. Uh, as much as they'll allow, anyway, and open compute the open compute projects, which which IT Renew is very much part of um, with their growth and everything. So, um, um, that I would say that IT Renew and IDEAN really brought me into that uh, salvage world, which <clears throat> which is um, which is a whole world in and of itself. Right. Right. So, reuse, recover, recycle, uh, see if something, you know, you take something like a server 
and it's worth less at whole than if you opened up the box and pulled out all the memory and sold it on the open commodity market. So it's different than a, than a laptop. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. So uh, kind of along along those lines, did your sales process at IT Renew changed after the development of, um, is that the, the Sesame hardware line? Is that is that how you say that? Um, the S-E-S-A-M-E? Yeah, Sesame. Sesame, mm -hmm. okay. And then also... No, yeah, that's, uh, that's IDEAN's open Sesame um, uh, brainchild for... Uh, you know, to do something more than just shred these open compute chassis and motherboards. And then I was going to add to that after the uh, SDS and the ESISO acquisitions or after rebranding with the circular data center services. So did, mm -hmm. did that whole process change? <clears throat> well, this protects the left flank. So, I mean, this is, I would assume anyway, this is, that's just part of the obvious strategy of ID to protect the contract manufacturers from coming in. So now you can say, hey, mm -hmm. see, see, Facebook could just roll these servers back onto the boats and send them back to where they came from. They come off, they come here, they sit in, they go, they do their job for 36 months. You know, they power down, they go back out. They could, they could just send them back, but it's more valuable to harvest the memory here, get them cleaned up, get them to a grade A, get them to the commodities market and then figure out what else we can do with the rest of the stuff and just send them the whole thing back, it appears. And, and so we're doing it. And uh, as a country, right, as a nation, this is how we're handling the back end of this life cycle because it's, it's not a small thing. And so um, that appears to be a best practice that's being established, you know. Okay. Um, because we have so much memory. It's just really storage and memory, right? Volatile and non-volatile memory. Soon, soon, not, no longer maybe one day to be any hard drives out there. But um, that stuff has long life cycles, and it can be repurposed across a variety of electronic devices once it's back in the hands of those uh, used manufacturers or so, set-top boxes and stuff. So while we're kind of on that topic, do you see a trend in the future with the data centers where – uh, there's just going to be, you know, like uh, Amazon and uh, Google and, and um, some of these big uh, data center companies, and there won't be as much small data centers. Um, or kind of what, what trend do you see? I mean, I think you just say it's more of the same, which is, yeah, there's always going to be this fear that the hyperscaler is going to take over the earth. But <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, I when I... When I was uh, managing, I was overseeing channels for uh, HP, for excuse me, Intel, and and over the years at Margastar, we were always wondering. See, Intel had like these two channel groups that bought processors, and and one of them is like, you know, Dell and those guys, right? That buy tons of them, and then the other group is this other group that's called like small medium business, and they're all these little tiny guys that are still building servers. They're doing funky things with these computers and they never die. Meaning they have these little niche industries like they're building, you know, 5,000 computers a year, this specialized server with their own operating system that they use in accounting firms or something. So my only point is like, no question clouds consuming big swaths of scale and many scale data center customers. You know, it's just going, instead of it being at 
somewhere colo 20 racks it's just evaporating and going half to aws and over to you know mm. google google cloud or something and so and so i i mean that's a lot of what i've done is helping clients globally get off prem and to cloud not because i want them to not because i think it's best for them but that's what they've decided and 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 then they might call us back in three years and say we're ready to get back into on-prem and it's usually because they have something very niche and advanced they need to do that they can't get done the way they want it done with you know the big cloud provider sometimes it's cost a, a lot of times it can be but. okay so what instigated the shift to independent data center advisory and was there any particular reason you decided not to stay uh, in the ITAD industry well, you know, I took a year off after after I left IT Renew. Okay. Just to, um, it seemed like a good time. And uh, did I lose you? Uh, pardon? Are you still there? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. I know. Okay. It said call ended, I guess. Anyway. So, um, uh, I just, you know, I've, I've had opportunities to go back to a couple places and and I'm very close with digital, and and uh, and so close with IT Renew, but I've just enjoyed being independent of it right now. It, it gives me some latitude to advise independently for those infrastructure chiefs, and I'm I'm just enjoying that more than than just you know being uh, only being able to deliver one one service. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, Gives me a type of confidence I don't get when I can only represent one logo. Okay. But uh, I'm not against uh, you know taking a job in the future. It's just where I'm at with my family and everything. I enjoy the flexibility that I have today. And my partner at Socorro is just someone I've known for you know uh, over a decade or two, and and uh, we work well together. And don't forget. The best way to support ITAD content is to rate and like the show on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you might listen.